Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Off the Vanners. Not Vietnam, though. No. We don't have listeners there. Good morning, Van. (laughs) (laughs) Here we are after a night of hard partying. Oh, yes. Laser tag, alcohol. We're not in we're not in terrible shape, but I've I've been better. I'm tired <laughs> and hungry. Yeah. Just kind of the regular just but regular normal the hangovers stuff. Don't exist, so. No, not at all. <laughs> I should I should I should say not yet and then knock on some wood. Hangovers don't exist for my family. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I've witnessed firsthand that I'm I don't share that gene. <laughs> That'd be weird, because we're not related. Hey, man. Adam and Eve, we're all the same ancestry. Anywho. <laughs> we're, we're, not get, we're not going there today. Um, change of pace, religious show. Well, uh. well, still change of pace. We are actually, uh, we are guestless this week, and we will be speaking to your favorite host, John Prito. Who? Never heard of the guy. Uh, you've seen him once or twice. Uh, I suppose. <laughs> So, uh, John, thanks for thanks for coming on the show this week. Very very nice of you to stop in. <laughs> yeah, you know, I cleared my busy schedule for this. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I know we've probably talked about this too much. Probably bored of hearing it, but John and I have known each other for several years now. Met in uh, met in I think it was my freshman year of college, and uh, yeah. So at the time we were in the music program, so obviously got a little bit of history even leading up to that. Why don't you tell the folks at home? Uh, you probably mentioned it before, but a little more in-depth, uh, kind of everything leading up to this. First, I was born. I mean, first you were conceived, but... Yeah, but that wasn't, you know, I didn't have any part of that. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> uh, as a young child, I don't know the age, I played, I took piano lessons as a kid, you know? There was a dog there, one of those cute small white dogs, that was cool. Uh, I never went back after that. Not after I met the dog, just, you know, I was not a kid. I was just like, I don't want to go anymore. Oh, yeah. So I didn't. I feel like the the majority, that's kind of the story. Not a lot of, I mean, I mean, there's plenty of people that, you know, piano lessons is kind of a common thing, but I think even more common are people that stop piano lessons. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I played, I started playing wind instruments when I was 10. Okay. When, what did you start with? Uh, clarinet. Okay. Yep. Uh, apparently I had a unique experience that other people didn't have where, uh, someone from the music store stopped by the house and let me try out different things. Actually, I did. I had that too. When okay. I was uh, going into middle school, I don't think they didn't stop by with stuff to try out. I think, uh, like the first time they stopped in, it was, uh, to see if we were interested in that. But at the time I was already like, I was, I kind of had the idea that I was probably going to be in choir instead of band or anything like that. So I think like the, if he came by, like the, if we set up a scheduled meeting, like for a second time, he might've, but. And I, well, I still play clarinet, I suppose once in a while. Uh, I've got two. One was my 18th birthday present, but I started playing in groups uh, besides, you know, the school sponsored yeah, yeah. band groups, et cetera. Mm-hmm. When I was about 16, I want to say. Okay. Uh, I had a couple friends, and we were like, we should be a band. And they all own instruments. I didn't own really a rock group instrument at the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I borrowed and then later was gifted a saxophone. And our setup was alto sax, uh, four-string bass, very nice synthesizer, and a uh, drum set. 
and we played some bastard form of like gypsy punk, even though we were all suburban <laughs> youth. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, we played in weird funky keys. It just it just happened to be reminiscent. Yeah. <laughs> weird funky keys, some funk influence. You know, a lot yeah. of. <laughs> um, I won't. A lot I, of post-punk influence. For I the certainly won't treat the player. audience to this gem, but I have seen uh, YouTube handy cam from the audience footage of you guys at, I think, like a Battle of the Bands at your high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's uh, it's interesting when you pick up a new instrument and then a month later in a band on stage. That's done. You know, that's been a history for me. Done that mm-hmm. more than once. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Seems to work out fine. Definitely, I mean, it it was definitely good, and for, especially I mean, for a high school group, it was certainly passable. It didn't sound that bad. It was passable, and you know, we the one of the only groups there not doing uh, two note power chord pop punk. <laughs> nice. So we stood out a little bit more, I'd say. <laughs> Do you guys win? No, no. Second, I think. Ah, oh, that's not probably just for some bands had some more polish. I'm sure. Yeah, and I don't think they were in high school anymore. So I don't know why they're there. Gotcha. Yeah. No, I know. I know. At my high school, we kind of had that where some of the bands, it was like you just had to have one, one member, member. Yeah. That still attended high school. It was like one member in the other high school, like across town. Oh, it wasn't. It? <laughs> and I'm just like, why are you here? Like the other one in that district or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, this is a this is a fundraiser for our high school prom. I know we had a uh-huh. we had a similar experience when I was doing some of those in high school. Ours was uh, as far as like the power. Everyone was playing power punk and all that at years. Ours was uh, it was all classic rock cover bands. Oh, we had we had a uh, one classic rock style band cover or original material. Original material. Oh, that's awesome. Just uh, blues rock. Yeah, fr- you know, fronted by uh, previous guest Frank Romaldi. Oh, from uh, Dirty Basement Blues. Yeah, back then he was playing with the Counterculture. Yeah, cool, cool. Still had long hair. Tell you what. <laughs> so, uh, so after high school, what was kind of your experience with, uh, you know, music? Music in general, we'll say we'll open it up a little more for this special episode. Uh, well, I decided to go to college to become a music teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm no longer pursuing that, yeah. mostly because I can't sing. What? Uh, uh, I can't do the ear training sightseeing classes that well. Yeah. And I think it's because I was lied to my whole life. <laughs> That's 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 actually a really good point. Um, By the way, you know, if you're uh, if you're an instrumentalist and you're playing a non-C instrument, you should probably uh, practice some stuff with like a piano. Yeah. Or you know, guitar or whatever, something in C. Just in general, I feel like, and you know, you know, it's it seems weird that we're talking about something like this on like like an underground music podcast, usually like a societal podcast or a topical podcast, but. Uh, just the idea of like the everybody gets a trophy kind of thing where like everyone's afraid to critique or like analyze each other out of fear of hurting each other's feelings for musicians it's very important to know what your weaknesses are mm-hmm. because you're especially if you're if you're in a position like I know a lot of people just they do musicians it's like a hobby but a lot of people if you're trying to make a living off of this you have to be aware of the amount of work you have to do. Yeah, yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta have stuff to fix constantly. Always be trying to better yourself because one, there's always several people better than you, minimum. And two, even you know, even if there's only a couple of those, there's people catching up constantly. I had a, I had a professor <coughs> at OCC, professor of music history, Henry Feinberg, fantastic teacher. By the way, recommend his class highly. Uh, but he's a working musician. He. Uh, he teaches, uh, I believe, as an adjunct at OCC. 
He still plays live, and he has some recordings out that are doing decently, I believe, in, like, Europe. Sure. And he's like, if you want to, you know, lead a comfortable lifestyle as a musician, you got to kind of do all these things. You can't just be the bar band. Yeah. I mean, you can certainly... It'll put food on the table, but it might not pay rent. Like yeah, it'll, it might not like be, it's, it won't be as comfortable as you could be. Yeah, it's, it's it's like a puzzle piece, and I f- I feel like unless you're like the stadium touring rock, rock legend that'll go down in history, like you kind of need a couple avenues of income. So like like how he's a teacher, and then he's also a performer, and then he writes and markets his own material. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh, but where was I? Yeah, and so in college I took some uh. <clears throat> You have some theory classes, some uh, ear training classes, uh, some composition classes. Uh, by the way, if you're studying music, jazz theory will blow your mind a little bit. Tell you what. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this, this sounds crazy, but if you ever take the class, you'll understand. Jazz has two octaves instead of one. Mm-hmm. So instead of just being the eight notes that just keep repeating, now you have 16. Yep. Congrats. <laughs> I think, yeah, you know, I tried to explain once to uh, a non-musician that certain instruments come in certain keys, mm-hmm. and it was difficult at best because like, we didn't have a common language. Yeah. Uh, usually when I try to explain that, I usually say, like, harmonicas, because harmonica, it's, okay. it's something that ev- that most people have a Seen. pretty good grasp on how it works, and... uh so I'll tell them, like, so like I usually start off, I'm like, well, certain songs require certain harmonicas. I don't quite jump straight into keys when I'm explaining to them. So I'll be like, you know, like, you know, it, these the, certain harmonicas are good for certain songs, and they don't, you know, specifically those songs. Or you can change the song, how the song sounds to match the harmonica. It's true. It's yeah. true. Um, typically, if you're in a band that plays with harmonicas, you have several with you. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I saw Stevie Wonder play last year. That man had a row of harmonicas. <laughs> I have seen people show up like briefcases full. Several even in the same key just for different tone and stuff. Different tone, different sizes. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I got the tiny ones, big ones. Yep, yep. Uh, but I determined that, uh, anyway, back to back to me. Back to you. <laughs> I determined that uh, teaching music wasn't going to, you know, as like a teacher in a school building, wasn't really going to be for me anymore. So I uh, switched avenues entirely, then I switched avenues entirely again, and now I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's been a long time in college, tell you what. uh, (laughs) It was free for a while, so (laughs) that was nice. Hey, man, you're learning stuff. It's But I keep keep picking up instruments, you know, fiddling around with them. You got to, I think, what's fun if you know how to play one instrument really solid is start doing things in that whatever style on other instruments like uh saxophone's great for jazz and yeah you can play ska on it clarinet's really good for like classical and klezmer which would be jewish folk music for those of you who don't know (laughs) uh so take those take what you know on those instruments and play them on something different like a mandolin and you know I mean, I think everyone's, like, seen the videos of, like, oh, well, like, it's, like, a heavy, like, death metal version of, like, some, like, classical arrangement, and it sounds really hauntingly beautiful, or, like, mm-hmm. I've seen one where it was, like, uh, Metallica played as, like, uh, Renaissance folk style, like, and it sounds incredible, and all the weird, weird scales and stuff just sound beautiful on these acoustic, strange instruments. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You can do a lot of weird, funky stuff with yeah. instruments, a lot of people just don't think about it. I think there's a woman named Zoe Keating, and, uh... 
what she does is she has a single cello and a whole bunch of like pedals, like a loop pedal, etc. Mm-hmm. She's got uh, a whole album out, and it's just her on a cello. It sounds like a full room of people, and you just got to do funky stuff like that. Oh yeah. Now you said pick up instruments here and there. What is your current count of instruments and like your inventory right now? Ah, uh, the number escapes <laughs> me. I currently have an electric bass, an acoustic bass, uh, two clarinets, two saxophones, violin, mandolin, theremin. Got I think a G harmonica somewhere, piano. Upright Baldwin's very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably needs to be tuned, actually. Um, if any of our listeners know how to tune a piano, yeah, or tune a fish, or tune a fish, yeah, <laughs> no, I, I'm sure everyone at home saw where that was going. <laughs> I've also got a practice pad and some sticks, you know, for snare stuff. Uh, that's we'll count that. That's at least twelve. Oh, I have an oboe in the closet. Thirteen. Uh, I think that's about it. 13. <laughs> I mean, I have a busted electric guitar. How many How many would you consider yourself proficient at? Like two. <laughs> <laughs> Three. So we'll, we'll, we'll go two and a half. Gotcha. gotcha. Clarinet, saxophone, and, you know, I guess bass if you need me to be. <laughs> <laughs> bass for the third. Yeah. Just <laughs> third bass. Third bass. So, uh, obviously, currently you're working, you know, pretty intensively with with the podcast and everything, and that's kind of your main, as far as, it seems like as far as uh, musician and stuff like that, that's kind of where your focus is right now, is just meeting these people, and we're talking to them, getting their stories out there, and their music out there, but uh, what else, anything else you have going on right now, or in the recent past? I mean, I still fiddle around on my instruments I own, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I occasionally, when they need extra horn players, will sit in with a group called the Ba. Uh, I believe they're based out of Ferndale these days. And uh, they are like a horror folk band. I'm sure we'll have them on at some point, perhaps before, perhaps after. Who knows? It's a mystery. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But we played in a parade in March uh, called March du Nain Rouge, which is about the uh, kind of the folk story that the man who founded Detroit uh, called Cadillac was haunted by visions and dreams of this red dwarf that uh, well at one point the dwarf was a protector of the city he eventually became the harbinger of doom and uh, what they do is they have this big parade it's like a second line march like New Orleans style you know like a Mardi Gras kind of thing and at the end you meet the uh, the red dwarf and he gives a speech about all the terrible things he's going to do to Detroit that year then you roust him out of town I'm sure a lot of uh, non-Michiganders at home would probably probably thinking we should hold one of those more often. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you don't you don't mess with the harboring of doom more than once a oh, year. Oh yeah, I don't think you want them around too much. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good time. And uh, whoever does the design work for the banners behind his freaking podium is amazing. Like they'll put his head on the Spirit of Detroit, which is a famous statue in the area. For those like four of you who don't live around here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh they did like a devilish color inversion of like obama's hope poster and i think it said no hope <laughs> <laughs> i mean that was cool i also uh 
been playing a bass in a pop punk kind of mod influenced group called Sean Green Photographer. I play bass. Same thing happened there with uh, my high school band. Someone's like, hey, band? I was like, sure. What do you want me to play? They're like, bass. I'm like, I'll go get one. <laughs> so I bought a bass, and a month later we had a show. <laughs> and I could play exactly our set. <laughs> and at that point in time, that was it. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, it's not like we needed more time. You know, play a cover to fill the time. <laughs> no, we had too many songs to play our set anyway, so we had to cut things out. So that was that was good. No, in a month, really. Yeah, <laughs> we had like eight songs ready for that first show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like not to disparage, like a twenty-minute set, <laughs> my band or anything, but my parts aren't really difficult. I'm not about to start saying about specifically calling out style, but I mean, pop punk is not. Specifically known for its intricacies. <laughs> yeah, no one's... Uh, I'm not playing jazz bass. I'm not playing even ska bass, which is constantly moving. I'm not saying that's pretty pattern heavy, but they're doing a lot of stuff yeah. in a row. Yeah, it's you can, it can get pretty quick and Yeah, it's, it's definitely quick. Yeah. Not doing that either. <laughs> <laughs> Just kind of holding down the... Uh, the base of the core. Just, just giving some bottom end just to doing it. doing the root. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly the root. Once in a while, I'll do things to annoy the guitar player. <laughs> I um, mean, that's, I mean, of course, maybe not really, I'm mean, coming from the mouth of another bassist, but I mean, even when it's something simple like that, like you take, the, if you take that out of the equation, it just, just doesn't sound the same. Yeah. I like, I like doing this weird tremolo thing on one of our songs, just to, like I said, just to annoy the guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that fun? <laughs> yeah, oh, it is. Like he didn't like it the first time that I kept doing it. And now it's part of the set. I feel like I feel like a lot of people out there just like the guitarist is just fun to mess with sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you know they're typically the center stage moving around. Yeah, showman kind of guy, and then which I, and I mean you know bands need that. So of course like if we're not we're not saying anything against that, but just I don't know when, when the guy that's kind of yeah when the guy that's kind of more in the crowd's eye you see him get like bothered by stuff. I don't know. It's fun. It's just fun. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's a bass player thing. I want, yeah, we should <laughs> start asking people. Should look into that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe we're just assholes. I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, send your comments to us on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let us know. Do you bother your guitarist or guitarist? Do your bass players bother you? <laughs> yeah, <'cause> I, <laughs> I feel like they'll be like, absolutely, they do. Yeah, can't stand that guy. He's always, he's always showing up late. He's poking me. He's poking me. Just doing the singing <laughs> I like all the time, and I can't stop it because it's part of the show now. Like, you know, I've seen a band. Uh, actually, it's not their bass player, but it's a guitar player will start irritating their singer. Just yeah. And then the whole band joins in. It's a country western thing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> They're not a country western band, and it's amazing. <laughs> One thing that I think uh, that we've never talked about on the show, but that anyone we've had on the show has had to deal with, uh, is your instrument will eventually break <laughs> at a very unfortunate time. <laughs> How has this not come up with somebody? <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's good to know what you need to repair your specific instrument. Uh, for the string instrument players, I'd say a spare set of strings is always a good idea. A couple spare sets. Just in case. Yeah. Don't bring don't bring your high E string if you're a guitar player and nothing else. Yep. Because you're going to break the D now. Mm-hmm. And you don't have that. Do you want two high E strings? No. <laughs> Too many E's. 
uh, for horn players, I'd recommend always having, uh, you know, not brass instruments because I don't know, I don't know shit about those. But for your uh, woodwind players who are playing like jazz groups, whatever, I'd recommend always having a lighter uh, because your pad will a pad will eventually fill out of one of your buttons, and it's just gonna be unfortunate. What you can do is just you know take a lighter, heat up that glue that's left over, and firmly hold that pad back in place for about five minutes. <laughs> I used to have to do that in high school all the time. <laughs> That's a good trick, actually. I've never heard of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and as one of like two people in the room who had a lighter, people were like, John, I need you to fix this. <laughs> we did a lot of um, quick fixes for uh, band and marching band. It's like, this just broke. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> I got a, I've got a lighter and some uh, some rubber bands. <laughs> As instruments especially like it's just such, they're so they're a very good thing to be handy with because that's it's a situation where a lot of a lot of folks that own the instruments might not know like the tech the, the extremely technical side of it how entirely it works like and uh, like not every guitar player understands all the wiring and everything not no, every no and, and of course then you have keyboard players where like the circuitry and stuff is obviously going to be going to be entirely lost to the vast majority of them right and so i'd say like the most technically proficient on average probably the drummer just because he has to work with it so much <laughs> already set it up and tear it down constantly yeah, yeah. yeah. not that i don't know if I've ever seen a drummer carrying spare heads around. I have a few times, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I feel like it's fairly rare, but I don't know. I don't hang out with drummers like I used to. On the, I mean, on the underground scene, it's not uh, not entirely common, but I've certainly seen it. Uh, more with the touring bands, just oh, because they're gone yeah. for long stretches, obviously. Whereas, you know, if if my band goes out tonight and we blow a drum head, he, he's more than comfortable just playing without it for, without the, for the second half of the set and then go home and put the new one on. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, if you got the room in your truck or your van or trailer or whatever, I mean, just carry extra everything, really. <laughs> Sticks, especially for drummers, just saying. <laughs> oh, well, Sticks. that's, yeah. If you're not bringing, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say, if you're not bringing extra sticks, you, you're, you are doing something wrong, and you need to correct it. Absolutely. <laughs> like I can understand not having, like, if you, okay, for people who like doing a lot of symbol magic, like I've seen people play with, uh, like timpani mallets, yeah, and uh, like marimba mallets, you know, which are different, by the way. Oh yeah. Uh, like I don't feel like you need spares of those because you could probably just do without. For, I, if you're breaking those, I mean, good job. Like. <laughs> Cause I mean the mallets you're not usually I mean it's usually for some just like ambience in most cases you're not really yeah the timpani mallets uh, go like immediately though oh really yeah they're uh, very fluffy they're not like oh. tight they're not tight yarn no like, I know uh, what you're talking about yeah. okay yeah those those fluffy things at the end of the sticks yep. those just go right away because they're not meant to be played on you're cymbals. playing with like a giant Q-tip yeah you essentially are playing with a giant Q-tip and it's it's not meant to be on a cymbal. It's meant to be on like the largest, one of the largest drums on mm-hmm. a, cl- a classical stage, <laughs> like lightly tapping it in the background. Oh yeah. So we, uh, you and I, uh, we've been doing off the van for a while now. Uh, how is uh, your attitude towards uh, the kind of scene, or how you approach yourself when you're doing stuff? Has any of that changed since uh, you know we've been meeting all these people and getting their perspectives on all this? Uh not really. <laughs> 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 Great. Next question. 
Uh, <laughs> little throwback to the Midwestern Sky episode. <laughs> how is how how has your experience been with this? Uh, with no, meeting these people, it's been really good. The only trouble we've really had, I think, is uh, scheduling. Scheduling, yeah. I mean, we're, uh, mu- musicians are on wild a, a less schedules. a less than human schedule in most cases. Not to mention, you and I don't have a similar schedule anymore right, either, yeah. since I stopped working retail. Yeah, and I, like I work at a bar. Jeff works retail, so I work like six nights, yeah, three in the he, morning. He starts like an hour before I get off work. <laughs> like there's no. And so, you know, the musicians we have work anywhere from like office jobs to like tree cutters. Mm-hmm. And so scheduling that into not the easiest thing in the world. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes we meet people at odd hours, like uh, 10 at night, one in the afternoon. It's Sunday. It's Wednesday. <laughs> We don't, what we're saying is we can meet you any day of the week provided we're not at work. Right. Yeah. Which, and that'll change week to week. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I found that people, uh, you know, they're enthusiastic about this project and I think that helps us a lot. It, it, absolutely. Like there are times I know that like, you know, one of us will, or, or both of us sometimes will show up to wherever we're meeting these folks and we're setting up and we're just, we're just not like feeling it that day or whatever. And then as soon as they walk in the room and they're so excited about doing this, about doing this interview about a a show that they can play their music on because that just doesn't usually, it's just interviews. Yeah, that's very true. You know, a lot of local bands don't get interviewed that often. Yep. You know, uh, I know that we've had several people have their first interviews ever with us. Of course. Yeah. And which is, you know, I think great for both of us. Mm-hmm. Like they'll be more ready for later. Yeah, if, we, if they get big enough to where, like, you know, they're they're doing more and more of these. It's like, a, I, I, and, you know, I have no problem saying this. We're kind, we can be the practice run for those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you're right, though. A lot of it is just interviews with bands, and they don't feature their music. Well, they play like a ten second snippet of yeah. like whatever. We're we're here giving you the full song. Yeah, and I mean. I think it's also part, like, we, we, we've been blessed so far that we haven't, like, run into anybody that's like, oh, I don't know about that. That's like, you know, listen to it for free. Like, it's, it's, it's like the radio. No one's paying for the radio. But if you played the song on that, like, people would be, people are excited about getting on the radio and stuff like that. And obviously there's some royalties involved and stuff like that. But I mean, the whole, the <laughs> no whole idea. Yet well, was, nobody's signed. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, the whole, the whole idea of this is, uh. It's not to give people free music. It's to give people a peek into your into you know into into that band or artist and because there's a lot of stuff going on in Michigan, uh, mm-hmm. and you know the touring bands too, but they're not from here. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're playing here though, and there's cool stuff going around going on around here that a lot of people don't know about. You know, so we're giving a little bit of extra exposure to you know not only the bands but also like. Uh, you know, the concert halls and the venues and the the uh, festivals going on. Not so much festivals. Festivals are pretty good about promoting, but... I don't think festivals... I don't think festivals are like, oh, thank God, off the van talked about us. <laughs> no, but, you know, uh, a lot of the bands that we talk to play in smaller venues with, you know, that don't necessarily have a built-in crowd. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, so much of... So much of Metro Detroit is kind of suburbia where it's kind of hard for venues to market themselves. Cause I mean, if you're like in downtown Detroit there, you know, posters are up at different buildings and on posts and stuff like that. That's mentioned it's, it's a big city. Like the, the amount of people in the area, like yeah. in midtown or Corktown, like it's pretty concentrated. Whereas, like, whereas like where I live is, you know, Clarkston, we have, a, we have like a quarter mile long main street. 
and like the, that's that's nowhere near any of the venues that people are going to around here. So I mean, hey, man, Pine Knob's right around the corner. Sorry for those of you who aren't from here. Uh, DTE Energy Music Theater. <laughs> I don't know if uh, I don't know if they're putting up flyers for that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what man. The sign by the palace isn't enough. <laughs> nah, nah, the biggest and brightest of flyers. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one for Barry Manilow. Oh, I don't remember when. I'm bad with time anyway. Yeah. And I was like, he's still playing. He's still playing. I guess it is kind of, yeah. Man, after... Uh, I'd, l- I'd love to go see someone like Barry Manilow, and then he, f- he finishes up a song, and everyone's cheering and everything, and then he just turns and be like, this is off my new album. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just everyone, what? <laughs> and I mean, you see that a lot with... I mean, you see that a lot with, like, rock groups and stuff like that. They'll play a couple off, like, a new album, and... A lot of them, really, they just write the album to justify the tour, kind of. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so someone like Barry Manilow, where it's just everything. I mean, it's like. <laughs> He's basically <laughs> that, an established that'd, that'd be, that'd be That'd be funny to see. <laughs> but, I'll, you know, and then but then have it be really good. That'd be awesome, too. So Barry Manilow, right? Some new, you know, you don't have, have to. new Barry. Yeah, Mary, Barry Manilow. I tell you what. Just coasting off his success. <laughs> God, be more like Tom Jones. <laughs> So, of course, to be super cheesy and predictable, where do you see yourself going with, uh, I mean, anything that you're working on or anything that you want to start? Uh, hmm. I mean, I see myself continuing with this project for a while anyway mm-hmm. until one or, one or both of us get too successful for our own good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you mean when. <laughs> <laughs> no, if I mean if. Um, I don't know. I'd like to get better at uh, some of the instruments I have and, uh, you know, work on, uh, you know, getting to, uh, yep, no, it's not a sentence. Backtracking. I don't know what it's <laughs> going to take me. I don't really have any future far-flung projects. I'm more of an experienced guy than a goal guy. Okay. And, uh, which my ex-girlfriends will testify to <laughs> <is> that. <laughs> Neat. <laughs> I mean, did you expect me to have something after that? I don't no, know. No, not really. <laughs> no, like I've always been like, well, let's just see how, you know, what happens next. And they're like, well, I have this plan for like two years. And I'm just like, yeah, yeah, you do. I don't. So <laughs> <laughs> like what's what's for dinner? What are we? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Let's just see what happens. We'll, we'll see what's for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, you know, this, I'm sure opportunities will pop up. You know, I kind of actively pursue things once in a while. Once I hear like a rumor yeah. that something might be available, but it's not like I'm going crazy, losing sleep about my future. Yeah, I'm of course. Sure, it'll be all right. I mean, that's that's healthy. It seems. I mean, you don't. You've never seemed entirely stressed about something, at least to me. So no. But you are. You're also not. You're also not in like a, a state of stasis either. So. Yeah, like this was a, this was a good project for uh, for me when it started. Something new, something fresh. Yeah, you know, and it's uh, we don't really have an end game. I don't think for this. No, not really. We'll just kind of ride it's it kind out. Of, it's kind of experience oriented. Kind of like you yeah. said, you know, just see where it, see where it takes us and where we take it. But uh, it's it's been good, I think, for both of us. Yeah, and hope and for hopefully the uh, people we've had on. Yeah, maybe. hopefully and, for them too, That's and hopefully for the people at home too. Yeah, I mean. We've got listeners. Heard a couple. Heard a couple bands. You know, checked them out. Maybe find found something that you kind of like. So, mm-hmm. 
Uh, and so, bef- so before we sign off on this episode, what is one thing about you that you've just something that like it's never come up in the show that uh, you think the people at home would like to know? Not a beer guy. No? Nope. Don't buy me beer if we're out. <laughs> you know, like I like a, an occasional good beer. Like too hard, it's good. <clears throat> uh, though it's really, the flavor's really strong. But if, uh, if I'm drinking beer, it's probably a Labatt or a Killian's, which is not like the worst of the worst beer, but it's also not held in high regard by beer people. <laughs> so don't do that. If you see me out, don't buy me a beer. I mean, you can if you buy me a Labatt or a Killian's, but otherwise, don't, you know, just don't do it. Spend it on me. <laughs> Spend it on Jeff. Get Jeff uh, while I operate, something with juice. While I operate all our equipment. <laughs> something with juice something and... Uh, juice. What, I don't even know what you drink, Jeff. Clear liquor? Yeah. Clear pretty, liquor and pretty juice. Pretty much all clear liquor, yeah. But, uh, fun fact. That's it. For more fun facts about John, see me. <laughs> Bring your questions. You can send us questions about stuff on our email or on Facebook. I mean, we, we, we check them both once in a while. We'd have no problem just, like, light conversation. <laughs> we're not that, you know, full of ourselves that we're not going to interact with you people. That's very true. <laughs> I just said you people. <laughs> <laughs> What do you mean by what do you mean by you people? We're Jeff? not that stuck up that we won't talk to you people. <laughs> All right, so on. this has been an episode of Off the Van. Before I, before I shove the rest of my foot down my throat, uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening fetish. to this. Uh, yeah, it is some <laughs> for uh, listening to this week's episode where we interview John, co-host of Off the Van. Or I guess I'm the co-host. You're the host. <laughs> Thanks, Andy Richter. <laughs>